Oh, man. Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Pirates podcast and the Locked On Padres podcast. Haven't seen each other in a while, Javi. So me and Javi figured, well, our two teams are playing each other on the West Coast, which means Ethan has to stay up late. Javi does, too. (laughs) He's over here, too. Don't worry. But we're back. I think the last time, Javi, that we did a crossover, we were talking about Brian Reynolds being traded to the San Diego Padres. That was a while ago, and a lot has changed since then. Uh, Brian Reynolds, of course, signing an extension with the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Padres doing a lot of different things uh, that you have kind of harped on on X. Yeah, it's not Twitter anymore, folks. It's X. Okay, throw up your X's. It's X. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're back. We're doing a, a crossover here with Locked On Pirates and Locked On Padres here in the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, and your San Diego Padres every single day. And the last time these teams saw each other, we were going to do a crossover. Scheduling just didn't work out, and it was a um, it was an interesting series. Just one because the Pirates swept the Padres in said oh, series yeah. after their. Very long losing streak that I called the biggest part of the year for the team. And it kind of felt like it was a turning of the corner for this Pirates team to get back into their winning ways. They followed that up with beating Milwaukee in the first game of their following series and then losing three straight. And since then, it's just been a complete collapse of what we saw from April. And on the Padres side of things... I think Padres fans from an outside perspective here have to be kind of happy that the Mets are just worse mm. than you guys. So that you're yeah. not the, the, the butt of the joke for spending so much money and just not oh, yeah. having the results. So oh, now yeah. they meet about a month later, uh, just under a month later, the last time these teams met, it was June 27th. Yes. Time flies. And now with these teams, and it'll be in the description of my show. I don't know what the description of your show will be, but these teams are theoretically out of playoff contention. Padres, Mm. of course, a little bit closer, 10 games back of the NL West. Uh, You look at the wild card, they're about six games back, but there's currently like a bajillion teams in the NL that can make the wild card. So, Javi, where has it all gone wrong for this Padres team? Because, I mean, (laughs) there's been things that have been right. I would say, but where have things gone wrong for the San Diego Padres? Oh, man. I mean, you bring up the Pittsburgh series is really important because after they had lost two out of three against the Nationals and that first Nationals game, their offense just exploded. That was back during the period. That sweep against Pittsburgh, it wasn't the only thing, but it was one of the, let's say, after effects of what really felt like, like when the team was cooked. Um, I think the team felt cooked after they lost three out of four to San Fran. The, the two straight walk-off losses, then you can't beat Washington to follow that up, and then you get swept by Pittsburgh. That felt like this is over. This team has literally no fight. That's a big thing about them. And this may sound like almost like first-world baseball problems, but the Padres are inept at sweeping like in any sort of way. If you look at all the teams they face, they always drop the third game um, just recently. Just over on Sunday, they had two out of three against the Tigers. Um, our boy, Luis Campizano, has a big game on Saturday, big home run, all this sort of stuff. He has arrived. The hive is stronger than ever, I would say, with Luis Campizano. And then they dropped the last game. 
And while that in theory isn't the worst thing in the world, the problem is that the Padres literally have not gotten like a sweep all year absent the Angels from back before the July 4th break. And then the, who was it? Uh, I guess if you count the Giants in the two-game set in Mexico City, they just refuse to go on a streak. And teams who don't go on streaks whatsoever tend to not be big contenders. You have to go on a run at some point, and this team is just incapable of doing that. And against the Tigers, they faced a guy who had a ERA above six for the third game, and they get shut out over six innings, only allowing one, only getting one hit. Like, that is the Padres as a whole. They have literally no fight. It's insane uh, for a team with the all-stars that they have, the talent on them. To I could be channel surfing and watching random guys like Brent Rooker of the A's look like he's trying to help the team get into a comeback more than basically every Padres player, with the exception of a few, Hassan Kim, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, being pretty good, and especially considering that Tatis just came back. It, even if he wasn't performing well in clutch scenarios, I, it would be hard for me to get super mad at him, uh, considering the suspension and the year off and the injury and all that stuff. So... It just as a whole, that's like the essence of the problem with the Padres. And in general, right now, it's been to certainly uh, least clutch offense that I've personally seen in a very, very long time. Um, and then also their bullpen has just been falling apart uh, for a while now. Um, it was excellent for the beginning of the season, perhaps um, deceivingly, um, not all as great as it was made out to be. It seems that if you go back and look at their numbers with, you know, win probability, you know, with kind of just high leverage situations that the Padres bullpen was not in the top three. They're only in top three in like ERA and, and and stuff like that. Right. But if you look at the stats for the first half and up until their series against the Giants, they every time they had a lead, they weren't really doing all that well. Everybody's ERA is skyrocket. So, again, it's just loser energy, Ethan, loser all across energy. the board. Loser energy It is. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Like every time they go out, you're just. You're just hoping at this point that they don't embarrass themselves. And like you said, if not for the New York Mets, they'd be the butt of every joke. Um, I, I guarantee you I'm probably going to be doing a pod with Ryan Fickelstein end of the season. Talk about like who was truly the more embarrassing team between these two. I think there could be an argument made for both. But uh, yeah, man, just a nightmare season all around. And to be honest with you, I think the Pirates, at least the Pirates look competent. I know they haven't been exactly good, but at least it's like, oh, like we have some stuff here. Um, the Andrew McCutcheon thing alone, just that signing seems to just be just vibes wise. Like mm -hmm. that one thing is better than literally anything that the Padres have done pretty much all season with the exception of maybe Hassan Kim uh, just being a big surprise offensively. So, yeah, man, that's a long winded way of saying we're a big disappointment. And it makes me sad because you're supposed to be a lot better than this. Yeah. And I feel like from a pirate standpoint, hearing that, obviously, it's kind of like, yeah, hey, yeah, you know, like. Mm hmm. Rich people complaining, like as like yeah. kind of like what that would be. But Javi comes to a lot of points here. The Padres have been a team that what one was expected to be a NL contender. Everybody dubbed it Mets Padres NLCS. It was just bound to happen. Then the Pirates start the season twenty and eight, and a lot of people, I think, including myself, let the expectations get a little too high. But I want to hear your thoughts on just this statement from mm. Jason Mackey that he let know when we lost the Angels yesterday, even though they did fight back in the game and make it a game late. So the Pirates are 43-56. and 56. To finish with 74 wins, they would have to go 31-32 and 32 over their final 63 games. Given the mm. way things have gone, that doesn't seem likely. If they go 26-37, and 37, 
that means they would be 69 and 93, which was their record in 2019, the last season before Ben Charrington was brought on as general manager. He continues by this saying that the Pirates are 23 and 48 since starting 20 and 8, a, thir- a, three t- a 324 winning percentage. Over the final 63 games, that equates to 20 and 43 in a 63 and 99 season, exactly one whole game of progress over 2022. So now I agree with this that we do need to start see wins be a big thing in Pittsburgh because now you have every prospect that Javi has heard me talk about over the last three years up here now. But at the end of the day, he mentioned that 69 win total, 69 and 93. Mm-hmm. If they can get to that mark, it would be nice. If they can, get, I predicted 74 wins before the year started, and that was looking like a good bet there for a while, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. But now you look at it and you say, okay, let's say they win 70 games. We'll just equate it to a 70 and 92 season. You lost 100 games the last two years. So that would be an eight game improvement over one season. It's nothing to shy away about, especially if it ends up being the young guys that are doing it. And the Pirates have also just sadly dealt with things that everybody in baseball deals with, except a little bit more with the likes of O'Neill Cruz not having yeah. played since the second yeah. week of the year. Vince Velasquez is out for the year. JT Brubaker is out for the year. Rolante Contreras is in the FCL because he's just a broken commodity right now. Luis Ortiz had to be sent down to AAA to fix some things. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Burrows, who was a big pitching prospect, who I thought would be here before Quinn Priester injured for the year. It, it all catches up to you at some point. Yeah. And I, and I feel like with the Padres, I don't even know, like I haven't paid attention that much to their injury issues or anything that they've been dealing with. All I keep hearing is since Gary Sanchez got signed that Blake Snell was untouchable. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. literally all I hear ever since the Gary Sanchez signing. But that, that was the somber note of things here from me and Javi. Let's talk about how these teams can still have fun in 2023 and what their strategy should be moving forward, considering they are going to be very different because they operate two very different ways. I would love to be on a fly. I would love to be the fly on the wall in an AJ Preller, Ben Sherrington meeting. I think that would be the best thing of all time, but also what the best thing of all time is, is going to games yourself. Mm. Fun. I will probably be going in September, hopefully for uh, Roberto Clemente day. Let's hope that the money works out. And if I go, I'm probably going to use game time, Bobby. Probably going to use game time because you can download the game time app today and use code locked on MLB for $20 off because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I hear uh, Sal Volcano is on tour. So if you want to go see Sal Volcano, do some stand-up, use game time. Because Game Time also has killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And you get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you have never have to dig through your email. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off and download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
If you want to catch the hometown broadcast of the San Diego Padres or the Pittsburgh Pirates, download the SiriusXM app, SXM. It's always fun. A lot of uh, stuff going on, actually, about uh, the possibility of Pirates games being available in market and out of market in the distant or near future. So keep an eye on that, and that's something I might talk about on the show. And it's hard for hosts like me and Javi to find the fun in what to have here for the remainder of 2023. Of course, uh, this past Sunday, I believe, was the last Sunday without football uh, for quite some time. I believe the Hall of Fame game is August 3rd. So one more Sunday, and then we have football back. So baseball, for some people, will go on the back burner. It will not go on the back burner, though, for me and Javi. We will still be talking about this all through 2023. So how do we have fun? Mm. Uh, how do how do we have fun with our teams down the stretch? Well, it's trade deadline week. We'll talk about yeah. that a little bit more later. But for the Pirates, I think it's pretty obvious now that the youth movement is on. You have Henry Davis. You have Nick Gonzalez. You have Leover Piguero. You mm. have Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis, um, Jared Triolo, Quinn Priester. I mean, the list goes on and on and on about the top prospects they have up here. So I feel like it's pretty easy for Pirates fans to say they can still have fun with this, but also watching part of your core for probably the next half decade. For the Padres, I think it's a little different because now you've kind of shifted into hearing about Blake Snell and Josh Hader being available. Mm-hmm. You shift into, okay, Louis Campusano is doing very good things. So now you're shifting your focus a little bit to certain different areas of this team that you didn't expect you'd have to. So what are the Padres, I I guess my question is, how do you set expectations aside at this point and just watch the team to watch the team and learn things for the future? That's a great question. Um, I think that there's there's a couple things that you can look at. First of all, yes, I mean, deadline's important, and we're going to talk about that. But this is a big week for the Padres because, look, A.J. Powers had a lot of issues, uh, a lot of critiques. But one thing that keeps to tend to happening keeps tending to happen with him is he bounces back um you you know from 2015 and all those trades he made for upton and myers and all those guys right like he bounces back he makes a a little james shields trade that turned out pretty good for them right then in 2019 it's like oh that year was disappointing because may machado was was pretty bad in the second half and you know the the former first baseman eric hosmer wasn't very good right and then in 2020 they make a bunch of moves and then they're good. 2021, they're bad. 22. So it's been very, very up and down. I think overall, though, uh, AJ Peller's tenure has not resulted in a whole lot of uh, great wins, which is worth pointing out. But, you know, it is, it is a, he is a GM that I wouldn't immediately count out being able to right the ship and fix the many issues that this roster has. Um, and I think a big way to do that is to be able to trade away. Uh, Blake Snell and Josh Hader because it doesn't look like you're making the playoffs. Fangraphs do still have their odds at around 36.2% to make the playoffs. Um, That's not that bad, but it's also not great, especially for a team that has not really shown, as I mentioned earlier, with the, with the lack of winning streaks, with the lack of just, you know, stopping and, and, and whatever the word is, you know, put, putting your finger down and just kind of just uh, controlling things. You know what I mean? It's so frustrating, but uh, with those two guys, I mean, Hater, we've seen this before, even if it's a rental, big time, big, big, big time relievers, similar to David Bednar, um, they can get you um, some really good assets. And Blake Snell, 
as you mentioned, ever since Gary Sanchez was the catcher, has been untouchable. His worst start was against the Blue Jays, and it was only bad because he walked so many batters, and he only went through five innings. But he still, if that was his worst start when he only still gave up one run, that says a lot about Snell. Striking out more than 40% of batters um, over the last month and a half, it's it's been a ride. So he's the type of guy that for contending teams, your Braves, your Rangers, your Orioles, right? Like they might be willing to say, let's let's go get ourselves an ace. Let's bolster our rotation. The Astros are always seemingly at the deadline interested in trying to get a guy, even if it's just a rental for a year. So you can get some really good stuff from them. It stinks that like those two have been excellent and the guys that you extended uh, or signed this offseason have not whether it be, you know, smaller ones like Matt Carpenter to the big ones like Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado. Like, it is annoying that they have to trade the, those guys because the other ones have been so, just so poor uh, for the most part yeah. of the year. Albeit, granted, I understand for people yell, Manny Machado's been great in July. Congrats. It took you three months to to be worth, to be great again. Congratulations to, to Manny Machado there. Uh, not to be too uh, smug about it, but it's true. Um, so I think that's what they have to look forward to is this big deadline week. Um, seeing what can you do to retool for next year. The talent's still there. They have a plus 52 run differential. If anything, if you want to be really optimistic, clutch stats don't seem to be something that translates year to year. I.e., if you were unbelievably clutch one year, that's not a good thing to rely on the next year. No. Uh, like, say, the Mariners from 2021, they, you know what I mean? Like, or 2020, whatever year it was that they were super clutch. Like, it can happen. Right. So with the Padres, you might say, well, if they just don't be for the second year in a row, which would be pretty unprecedented, the worst hitting team with runners in scoring position in baseball, they could have a chance next year. So I think that that's my optimistic viewpoint. And then lastly, of course, the hive is strong. We've been biding our time. And finally, we are, are, are the fruits of our labor have been met, Ethan. It's just lovely. Luis Campizano, who has been treated about as poorly and managed about as poorly uh, as a prospect can be his big game on Saturday. I've been begging the Padres to give the kids some playing time. I don't give a flying crap about what baseball references framing metrics say for a 24 year old kid who gets inconsistent playing time and has played like four games this year. I don't care. I don't care about the framing. I just don't care. Stop. Stop with the analytics for young players that haven't even played all that much. So we just know. We just know Ellie Dilla Cruz is the best player in baseball. He looks great. Don't get me wrong. But we just know for a fact now that he's the best player in baseball after 30 games. We just Hobbit. know this. Can I can um, I say something to you, Javi, about on, Ellie Dilla Cruz? Yeah, go out a little bit of tangent here. But you, I, I, Ellie's a bad example, but I'm just saying in general, this over-proliferation of analytics for guys that don't play a lot. And we just, yeah, the Padres will lose five more games if they keep starting campies on he's played four games like how do you know that so anyway go on go ahead and and as for everybody who always forgets yes i did play alongside louis campisano in little league baseball and struck him out once <laughs> i always say that every time we have a crossover um but is. as i always joke right now with people about ellie de la cruz i i just it's so fun to poke at stephen offenbaker of locked on reds we have like a heated rivalry that will never end um Henry Davis has a higher WRC plus than Ellie De La Cruz. Mm. Just love to throw that out there. He's also the first player of all time in MLB to Homer off of Shohei Otani twice in one game. So Henry Davis folks. Yeah, he's good uh, for the pirates though. To your point about frustrating things. 
I think the frustration more lies in the fact of how they started the season and how things have gone now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you would have told me that they were in this position organically, and when people say organically, like what do I mean by that? Let's just say that 20 and 8 start never happened, and they were just like on this pace all season, but the young guys were making impacts like they are right now. I think a lot of people would have accepted it more. I think the fall off from literally having the best record in baseball to now where they're at now has led to a lot of Pirates fans being like, okay, what the, like, what is happening? And for me, I just equate it to the injuries. You lost arguably your best offensive player again in O'Neill Cruz. I cannot mention it enough. He should be back in about a month, month and a half or so. More importantly, you've lost a year of development of O'Neill Cruz. I think that's one of the bigger things that you have mm-hmm. to look at with that. And then the pitching, man. The pitching was lights out in April. It was lights out in May. The bullpen couldn't be touched. Dari Moretta was one of the best players and uh, best relievers in baseball with inherited runners on base. David Bednar couldn't be touched. I mean, the bullpen and the starting rotation just could not be touched. They had like 16 quality starts in a row at one mm-hmm. point. It just happens. And now where the Pirates are, I definitely think it's a different feeling for me than it has been in past years around trade deadline time. Just because you look at where the Pirates are now, and a lot of the team is not guys you're going to move on from. These are guys that you're looking to see, okay, what do we have going into 2024? And in my other episode that I did on Monday, I mentioned that, and Gary Morgan, my guest every Monday, said he could realistically see 17 position players fighting for spots on the 26-man roster. That's position players. Mm-hmm. That is not pitch. That's not even including the pitching. That's not including mm-hmm. the bullpen. So Pirates fans, that's moving forward, having fun. Just watch the kids. They're gonna have. They're gonna have troubles. They're gonna struggle and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But even in the loss Sunday to the Angels, they were down seven to one, and then they came back and lost seven to five. But it was nice to see a little bit of pushback. And I think that's all Pirates fans and probably even Padres fans want to see. Now, I've kind of made it a thing throughout this trade deadline to have fun with trade deadline talk because the Pirates Mm. are not really doing the same things they normally would. Realistically, I think it's Rich Hill, Carlos Santana, G-Man Choi. That's like your big guys unless you do trade. No, Kutch is not going anywhere. I refuse to believe Good. He will go anywhere. I want um, him to stay there. Good. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. But I, well, Buster only came out and said that it's, it, he would be a commodity to other teams, but it feels like the pirates are just saying no. Like, mm. and I, and realistically they should. David Bednar would be their biggest trade ship if he mm. was made available. I just, I don't see it happening. Maybe not at this current in time. Uh, yeah, maybe next year too, but with 2024. Yeah. 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 If they're bad again. Yeah. You definitely do it. But I think a lot of people, including myself, have penned 2024 as the year where we need to start seeing the team compete for a division title. And I just don't feel comfortable moving on from my all-star closer this year when that's a possibility. I mean, I know it worked out for the Orioles with Felix Batista and Yanir Cano, but I feel like that's a special case. That does not happen to everybody. And obviously, we all know what everybody's watching over this trade deadline. I've talked about it the last couple shows about Shohei Otani. I've mentioned mm-hmm. that I'd love to see Shohei in Baltimore as a rental for two months. I think it would be That'd the be best fun. thing in the world. Uh, but Baltimore also That'd doesn't need fun. to move on from their prospect capital. And they're already good enough to where they can win without them. Mm-hmm. 
But the trade deadline is interesting, specifically your division specifically is going to be interesting with the Giants, Diamondbacks, and Dodgers kind of all clumped together. Mm -hmm. Um, My division, the Brewers, are you don't really know. I mean, a lot of people expected the Brewers to buy last year, and they traded Josh Hader to the Padres. So a lot of people expected that. Um, A lot of people have kind of just been waiting for that Corbin Burns tweet or Corbin Burns uh, trade tweet. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people have been waiting for it. Hasn't Cincinnati. Who so knows weird. what Cincinnati does too? I mean, I saw mm-hmm. something earlier today about Cincinnati that they might trade Jonathan India for a starting pitcher mm-hmm. that's under control, which makes sense with the amount of infielders that they have in that system that still aren't even there yet. Mm-hmm. What are you most looking forward to the trade deadline? I've kind of uh, buried the lead here with the Shohei Otani <laughs> talk. Cause I mean, yeah. that's basically what it's about. And I do think the Pirates may have saved them from making that move with that series win over the weekend. But if I'm the Angels, man, and I feel so bad for the Halo bros over there, it, yeah. it's a mess. I don't know what you do. Like, I, I really don't know what you do because do you feel confident enough that you can open the checkbook and get them back in the offseason? I think you got – look, man. It's just like uh, – and I think Mina Kimes put it nicely um on an episode of around the horn that i was watching where it's like you're gonna be remembered as the team that wasted mike trout and shohei otani you don't want to also be remembered as the team that also let shohei go for nothing um so i think the fact that we've gotten we've been getting rumors for weeks about this tells me that they're definitely looking into it um because it's just not happening for them in that division especially with texas being good this year it's just not happening and the padres if there's any not even saving grace, but it's like their only big moment this year that they were involved in was arguably killing the angels where they hurt all three of their best players somehow in the same series against them. They all get hurt. It's pretty ridiculous. So just the Padres are just bad vibes all around. I think um, it's Otani for sure. And, you know, you mentioned the Corbin Burns thing. It's so fascinating to me that he's not on the block or at least we haven't gotten like, I would have thought by now, especially considering he hasn't been as good this year. That, like, we would have gotten some alert. I mean, everybody knows about the offseason, you know, BS that they pulled, not wanting to pay him an extra 250K uh, for a guy who was your best player when he was Cy Young. Like, you would have thought, oh, yeah, for sure he's going to be on the trade deadline block. Maybe for some reason they're going to be buyers. I don't know. I think the Brewers, like many other teams, are just the classic symptom of kicking the can down the road. I think they love to be fine every year, but then never actually go for it. I fear that for the Pirates. I fear that for any small market team that you guys are going to look great, i.e., let's say Baltimore. You brought up Baltimore and that they look great and they can win without him. I'd love if he went to Baltimore because that's a player Baltimore will never be signing and could never sign. Mm -hmm. So it would be so cool. Them, the Reds, the Marlins, like not necessarily your Astros or your Dodgers or Giants. I think it'd be fun because he might sign with those teams anyway. Right. So I think it'd be so fun if Otani went to these teams that are, you know, they, they hit their they hit their stride earlier than maybe people expected. And I think that's the Orioles and the Reds. Um, not that I think the Reds or Orioles will do it, but that's why I just think would be the most fun. Because it'd be like, oh, yeah, you're never going to have him. This is going to be a great rental. It'll be awesome. And you could figure it out. So, you know, again, I, I would just caution people that get excited about Baltimore. I, I need to see some proof that they've changed their organizational philosophy before I start believing them overall to win a World Series. I think they're going to get smoked in the first round. Like, I, I'm honestly ready to lock it in. Well, with the pitching like, right now, yeah. I yeah. Mean, like I think in a they're small series, if yeah. you don't have pitching, you're not going to do it. And I feel like that's why 
the trade deadline every year is okay. What pitching is available? You name yeah. Lance Lynn, you name Dylan Cease, Shohei Otani. You could label him as a pitcher. You name Mike Clevenger if you want to. Marcus Stroman is another guy yeah. that has audibly said he wants to stay in Chicago, but yeah. Chicago's not going to pay yeah. him the money that he wants. Yeah, exactly. The vibes so, don't look good for that one. But then also what's so interesting about this to end off on this is, I mean, you just look at where teams are right now. Even the Pirates are only, I know this is like super positive thinking, but they're 10 games back of the wild card. You go on mm-hmm. a five-game winning streak and some of those teams ahead of you go on a losing streak, you're suddenly right back in the conversation again. But more realistically, right now, there's a four-way tie for the wild card spot right now. Yeah. Cincinnati, Arizona, San Francisco, and Philadelphia. And then you have Miami, who's a half game back. Chicago, who's five and a half games back. The Padres are six games back. And the Mets are seven games back. Then you go to the AL, and it's even worse. Detroit mm-hmm. is nine and a half games back out of a wild card. Teams are not going to sell as much anymore. It's just not what's going to happen. And it makes the trade deadline that even more interesting because then those big moves happen. And I think it amplifies what's going on because Mm -hmm. some teams just aren't going to do like what you would expect. And I don't know. I think it'll be fun. But, Javi, what do you have planned for the rest of the week following this pirate series and everything else that the Padres will offer you over the week (laughs) with the trade deadline. Uh, That's my plan. Got the birthday coming up on Sunday. So hopefully last year I was blessed. It didn't happen on that day, but it was still close enough that I can it. I was blessed with a city connect Jersey of Eric Hosmer. And then I was blessed even further when they got rid of him the very next day. So like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, maybe you all Padres listeners, maybe you can hope that the Javier Reyes birthday week magic can propel something good to happen. I don't know if it's they get a great return for some of their players or if it's that they go on a winning streak. I will say in terms of the winning streak, yes, it's the Pirates. And yes, from afar, you look at what I said about the playoff odds and you look at, say, like the their, um, their run differential plus 51. Right. That's literally better than the aforementioned Orioles right now who are in first place. But if you've been watching this team, you know, I, I just really don't think it's happening. And again, the last time the Pirates had played the Padres, they swept them. The Pirates had lost 12 of 13 heading into that series. Now, the Pirates have lost 13 of 17. So if history repeats itself, it means that we're in for another sweep uh, by the Pirates uh, to beat the Padres, despite the fact that they it, were just the bounce back for all these teams. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it seems to be. But I'm hoping that we can at least just have something good. And again, I, I really really press the Padres fans that the, the the lack of clutchness doesn't seem to translate year to year. If it does, I don't even know what to say at that point. If, if the Padres hit this poorly with Riders of score position next year too, I don't even know what to say. Um, like I just, like this team is cursed. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what happens with Snell this week. I think it's low key, like a pretty cool uh, starting pitching trade market. You mentioned Stroman. We mentioned Snell. I think that there's plenty of other guys that might appear. I even think Jordan Montgomery is a solid piece for a lot of teams, um, depending on what they are. I think that'll be great. Uh, and I think that it's probably going to be a better deadline than last year. I think last year's deadline was only good because of the Soto bomb. I, you know what I mean? This I don't think it's going to be better than two years ago. Remember two years ago, man? That was just like, like I remember with Locked On, we're doing all of our podcasts, the live shows. That was a madhouse. It really was. And it wasn't even fun for my team. My team blew it. But it was just, just objectively speaking, the amount of players that moved around, it was it was something to behold. So, 
honestly, I'm just hoping for some some good moves, some excitement. Uh, make me at least love baseball. You know what I mean? Because it's been hard watching the Padres, being reminded of why I like the sport in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. And just seeing some fun action, a bunch of transactions, maybe something good happens for the Padres, maybe Luis Campizano homers uh, in one of these games. But again, uh, I would caution Padres fans not to be excited about their playoff chances. Um, they would have to get a sweep here, in my opinion, and they'd have to win the series against the Rangers for there to be any reason for optimism. And then and yeah. then probably have those other teams uh, go on losing streaks. So it's unlikely. Don't keep your heart set on it. Yeah, and for Pirates and Padres fans, me and Javi will, again, still be covering everything you need to know about both teams. It's about to be August. We still got two more months of baseball, folks. There's still a lot of baseball Mm. left. A lot Mm. can happen in a lot of time. And it's very interesting that we're already this far into the year. Honestly, it feels like it's flown by. But Mm -hmm. my name is Ethan Smith. Follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked on Pirates. Make sure you follow Javi Reyes over at Javi Pena with two eyes. Because if you only do one, it might pop up, but it's not the right one. Um, and I guess, do we have to change this logo on the layout now? Just bring that up. <laughs> I might have to bring that up to uh, Locked on now. Yeah. I, the the bird point. does not exist anymore. Um, but anyway, guys. You still see the it, blue guy it, pop up, you know? Maybe that's what we could... Uh, that could be the, the thing and whatnot. Last thing, though, I want to say before we go out, uh, Blake Snell has been on fire, but three starts against the Pirates in his career, 8.49 ERA. Forgot to bring that up before. Nice. Well, guys, the game on Monday may have proceeded already, depending on when mm-hmm. this goes up. But, of course, they still have three games to play no matter what when you're listening to this. So thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you on the flip side.